Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Everybody and welcome back to the next episode in the Youthscape podcast. We're so glad you joined us. My name is Rachel Gardner. I'm up in the north of England and I'm being joined by my brilliant colleague who I love podding the cast with, Martin Saunders. Martin, welcome. Do you do you pod do you cast the pod or pod yeah. the cast? It's 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 a whole new vocabulary that I have. Okay. <laughs> I know Very what we good. do, but I just feel that like most people now either have lots of podcasts or they create podcasts. It's like this new domain that we're all kind of these waters, these murky waters that we're swimming in. So I feel that we need to go deeper into these murky waters and sort of coin some phrases that are yeah, ours. Do you, do you remember about four or five years ago, you and I um, did it like I, we did an event together or something. And I think I said to you at the time, we've got a good dynamic Rachel we should do more stuff together and um and and you never knew what you were letting yourself in for we've done like 200 of these now 200 no not quite it is extraordinary and what is even more extraordinary is that dear Aaliyah Pike has probably listened to every single one of them like we have some listeners who are just the most extraordinary human beings and listen to this podcast which is always I find deeply it gives me a posture of humility I'm not sure what posture of humility you bring to it Martin but it makes me approach these with deep humility. Yeah, I I mean, I feel like I, I'm always on the verge of saying something stupid something, that will yeah. alienate everyone forever. I, think, I, think I live with that you, fear. I think mostly you cross that verge quite well. I think you're very well versed in that verge. Yeah. <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're good. We're good. Right. So friends, welcome. And we've got a wonderful guest who we're going to introduce a little bit later to you. But we are at that point. If you're listening in real time, we're, we're, I, I feel like the last couple of seasons of Youthscape podcast, we've not pretended that we are in any other time than in COVID-19, lockdown three, you know, emerging out of that. Because it's so significant for our youth ministry that we're really rooted... In, in what is going on. And so Martin and I tend to bring little bits of snapshot of, of what's going on in our little bubbles of youth mm. ministry. So me in the Northwest and uh, Martin in the South. And, and for me at the moment, I am on the verge of the high school that I'm working in, uh, all the young people coming back. And so me and a team are doing COVID testing of hundreds of teenagers. This feels like my snapshot at the moment. And Martin, for you at the moment, what, what's youth ministry looking like for you at the moment on a, on a yeah. day-by-day well, basis? Well, it's worth saying that um, for uh, reasons beyond our control, we're recording uh, this a little head, ahead of time. So all things being well, there will be a stampede of teenagers returning to schools all across the country mm. um, uh, between the time that we record this and the time you listen to it. Um, and yeah, I think, I think teenagers are, are incredibly ready to get back to some semblance of normality, seeing their friends. There's, there's a mix of um, real anxiety about that. And so uh-huh. some youth ministry at the moment is helping young people process their anxiety, their fears, the, the fact that we've now been in this reality for such a long time we've slightly yeah. forgotten how to live normally um and then also trying to figure out do we now have an opportunity to reconnect with all the young people who for whatever reason haven't wanted to um, be involved with our replacement stuff over the last year so um yeah i think the 
the the return of teenagers into school environments um which for most of them i think is is going to feel like very good news mm-hmm. um is is also hopefully a moment of hope for youth leaders mm-hmm. across the country as well because we're thinking Absolutely. okay we can start to draw them back together and as it stands the guidance uh, looks like sort of early april we'll be able to get um young people back into physical face to face groups following all the restrictions and the oh, guidance so and that sort of thing but that that yeah. sort of feels very hopeful after yeah. what has been, you know, another very long and oh, grueling third lockdown. lockdown. Very hard. Yeah. And I, I had a friend recently, I know not all of our listeners have been doing home education with, with their children, but a number of people have. And I heard a friend recently say, let's call it emergency education, largely to separate it from the homeschooling and all our dear friends that choose yeah, that anyway. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking, actually, I, you know, would, would the phrase emergency youth ministry be quite a good term to kind of put over what we've done? Because actually, I think it's been yeah. extraordinary that what so many people have done is more more than just an emergency they've actually developed community and spaces but actually what it's felt like is we wouldn't actually be doing it this way this is yeah. a very unique situation so our response has felt at times a bit jarred a bit preemptive a bit reactive yeah. all the things that we wouldn't normally do with youth ministry but we the emergency has been yeah. we've got to be uh, those people that are championing young people and creating space for them so i think the the the, uh, the the christian teachers from this high school that i was doing some zoom praying with last week we were just praying more that when and I wonder if this is a prayer across all schools in the UK heading back on Monday in in uh, real time for us at the moment but a sense in which actually as young people hit the routine again that something some peace will enter their souls because they're back in a space of routine now we know hashtag not all young people thrive in the school system we understand that but actually for many young people as you say that routine of corridor hanging out with your friends knowing where you need to be at a certain time being with real people hanging out in the playground going to the chip shop after after school those things are quite they calm us don't they they restore something to us so that, that is my prayer at the moment. So th- there's a big question that we, we all kind of have at the moment mm-hmm. um, on, some, uh, on some level or another, it's... which is having, having lost sight of our young people in either because they turn off their camera or because they, um, they actually aren't at any of the activities that we run and we haven't been able to see them face to face in any way. Having lost sight of them, will the return to normal practice everyday life you know as it once was um will that bring everyone back or or will there be a break which means uh you know actually a lot of young people will choose that moment to just transition out of faith church youth ministry i mean i hope that's not true but everyone's thought Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and and there's another option which is has this time of kind of inward reflection and realizing the limitations of our society and all that stuff has that awakened dormant spirituality and big questions in a whole wave of young people Mm -hmm. um so there is you know there is a a bit of thinking and some research out there that suggests certainly in the adult population that that's happened that people are have had a moment to reflect and have thought actually i need more i need to go back to more and maybe god is that is that more I want to be the prophet of doom here and say, I'm not sure (laughs) that's that's going on in youth ministry. I'm not sure what's going on in adult ministry, really. But I don't see the evidence of um, young people asking those big questions. I think what what young people have done is they've just they've delved deeper into Netflix or um, 
or into gaming or into their phones. They just got onto it. They found, they created new culture within the parameters of what what they've been allowed to do. Mm. Um, They're creating content all the time. You know, that's who they are as a generation. So, so the, um, as long as they were at home with a phone, you know, they didn't have any limits placed on, on the fact that they could create content. Um, Some have been bending the rules and, and seeing quite a lot of their friends anyway. Um, And so I'm just not sure we've been in a context like a like a genuine um definitive disaster that stopped all those things from happening that might have then forced people into a uh, some kind of position of spiritual awakening mm. uh, so i'm i'm putting my cards on the table a little bit and saying i don't think that's where we find ourselves and i don't want us to kid ourselves mm-hmm. because there will be voices excited voices um who are saying you know, hey, this is the greatest opportunity for the church. Everyone's now asking the big questions of faith. I think some, I mean, I think there is a bit of that. I think maybe evangelism is just a tiny bit loosened up and easier after a pandemic. Um, but I think we're kidding ourselves if we think we're going to see revival right now. I'd, I'd, you know, and, and hey, but by all means, send an email that takes me down point by point. <laughs> and point to the revival in your town. I think one thing that I've learned through through this last year, this horrible year, um, is that it's it's really dangerous to kind of make predictions about an entire community, isn't it? An entire mm. generation. It just it just hasn't worked like that. And I and I I think you're absolutely right that I'm saying, oh, it's massive. Scores are going back. This is you know, young people will be experiencing the mass cultural moment of this, whereas in reality. They'll be running around thinking, where's my school uniform? I don't want to go back. I'm feeling really anxious and I'm not sure. Yep. But then I'll see a friend and everything feels fine now. Yep. So they will be taking it at a minute by minute. You know, yeah. their, their commentary will be de- entirely dependent in that moment, whether they, you know, whether it's working for them or not. But I, but I do think there is absolutely the importance of, of meaning-making conversations. And I, and I think as youth ministers, we don't want to dictate to young people we serve what meaning they take from this. But I do think... One of our roles is to help excavate that a little bit and to encourage them to be reflective of this last year, even if it is, I've just watched more Netflix, but to be reflective about what what has been going on. Because I think I, in my 40s, can stand back and say, this is a year unlike any other year because I have 30, I have 43 other years to compare this year to. Whereas if you're 13 or 19, you don't have so many years to compare this year to. And and also each year feels radically different anyway mm, as an adolescent. Yeah. So I think we do have a role to play in helping create that sense of what will you take this? Because actually it would, I, I feel it would be, it would be um, dis, no, disappointing is a little bit pejorative, but it would be, it, it wouldn't be good in my maybe slightly judgmental framework for young people not to be able to walk out of this saying, this is what this has been for me. Absolutely. I would. I'd love them to have a strong. And maybe I'm. I'm a mummy of adopted children. So all my life, parenting, I've. I've learned that you, actually to help your children have a clear understanding of their timeline, their story is really important. Mm. So I think that's really important. But but what questions they're asking? I'm a little bit like you. I'm not sure that the young people I'm serving here are asking massive questions yet. And I'd be interested to know whether they will, and and what I need to do to help create that space which is just a perfect introduction into Ooh. today's interview. Woo-hoo! So um, there's a short list of people that we've never managed to get on the Youthscape podcast that we've always wanted to. Um, <laughs> and uh, you remember the efforts we went to to get Pete Gregg 
I yes. may still owe him money, actually. Just you probably about do. That. I had to chase him down at Spring Harvest Butlins. Yeah. And anyway, him into a corner. <laughs> um, but um, uh, yeah, there's a short list of people that we've um, uh, that we've wanted to speak to for a long time, and right at the top of that list uh, is today's guest. Yes. So um, she is, um, you know, Amazing. one of the absolute leading voices and thinkers in youth ministry yeah. on the planet. Yeah. And although we often say that sort of thing on the Youthscape podcast, this we week say about you and me, don't actually we? <laughs> true. <laughs> this is actually true. Um, and so, uh, so uh, Reverend Dr. Cara Powell is, uh, is our guest today. And uh, she is, she heads up actually not just youth ministry thinking, but also leadership formation at Fuller Seminary uh, in Los Angeles, uh, California. So she's, um, uh, she's a planet brain. That's what that's, I think that is the phrase that we like to use. Um, and uh, she's got a new book coming out. That's not why we talked, actually. We talked because uh, we were getting ready um, for her to come and speak at Renew Normal, which we'll talk yeah. about a little Ooh. bit later on. Um, but she's got a new book coming out and actually it's uh, the book itself speaks into um, uh, some of the stuff you were just saying, Rach. And so I persuaded her that even though the book's not out for months, she'd give us a bit of a sneak preview. Um, so there's a bit of gold uh, in You've waded Ooh. through, what, Buckle 10 up, minutes people. of you and me <laughs> wittering on. But here is why you dug so deep. Uh, because finally you found something worth listening to. Uh, so this is what happened when I met uh, Dr. Carapal. So the first thing to get right is your name. Yes. And I, I said Kara. Yes. But it's actually It's more Kara. Yeah. You see if I say, if I tried to say that, it sounds like I'm making fun of you. Well, Ka- why don't you try? Kara. No, I sound like I'm doing an Australian accent. Kara. Kara. Okay, all right. Kara. There we go. That's that's really close. That's close enough for today. Isn't yes. It? Good job, Martin. So you see, my name's very easy. Um, how how are you doing? How's how's the sort of last year been for you? Obviously, we've all been through the same thing in uh, same ocean in different boats or whatever it is. So so, what's the last year looked like for for you? Yeah, uh, well, it's it, there's been a ton of um, pain and death and destruction associated with a pandemic. Um, there certainly are bright spots here in the U.S. We've seen. Uh, many, many move more toward racial justice. And we've had a number of protests and, and churches and followers of Jesus have been involved in that. So, so that's been really encouraging. Personally, we had our college-age son home for longer this year, which we loved. Um, and, so, and we have two teenage daughters who are in high school. And so the time for the five Powells in our home was actually really rich. One of the projects we did is we re-drywalled our basement so my husband taught us all how to do drywall. So, um, so there've been there's been a lot of fun moments like that in the midst of what's been a very disruptive and and challenging year for so many. And, and just for those of us in most people uh, listening to this are going to be in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we've had this. I don't know if you followed it, but we've had this kind of experience of going into full what we call now lockdowns. Lockdown, yeah, absolutely. Um, but it has, has it 
not really been like that for you in the US or is it does it vary? It's varied by state, which has been part of the problem in the US. And so California has actually often been one of the more locked down states um, be because we've had really high rates of COVID. So uh, so yes, we've had we multiple sessions of weeks when we've really been expected to stay in our homes. So and how's that translating to churches and yeah. youth ministry so in the uk here really churches aren't meeting in in person and youth ministry like as we knew it a year ago just hasn't happened for the last 12 months yeah well again that's varying by state and by size of church so you know those churches that are smaller and have the space to social distance in states where they're allowed to meet they're actually opening up more and more our church in, in California is fairly large, and so we're doing mostly church online. Our two teenagers are in Zoom youth group every week and Zoom small group. Um, I will say this, one of the bright spots in the midst of youth ministry in the U.S. has been some churches and leaders are realizing that teenagers have more time than they have before, and so they're involving teenagers in service because they're not so busy with extracurriculars and all that normally eats at their week. They've got more time to help someone who's homeless. Uh, you know, our family with our teenagers, we're cleaning a food distribution center every other week. You know, so, so those are some of the encouraging bright spots is involving young people in service and justice work. So is there a that is those are bright spots. It, has your experience been or, or from what you're hearing and seeing uh, that the um, church is managing to retain contact with young people or is there a sense that we're there's a whole bunch that we're losing track of i sadly i think it's a lot of the latter um that churches are reporting that it, a zoom attendance is down across all generations and with young people and i think that's partly because a lot of churches are saying okay let's take what we were doing in person and now do it on zoom um and that's just doesn't quite work. For one thing, young people are very sophisticated on technology. So how do we help young people help us together redesign and reimagine and innovate a new form of youth ministry that's more virtual? Um, so, so again, those are the churches that I'm seeing make the most progress is where young people are serving and even helping lead this reimagined form of youth ministry. Wow. Well, we, as I say, we have really been locked down. So some of the things that you're describing there might be something in our future. There may be something there for us to, to look towards, I wonder. Um, so one of the reasons we're talking today is because you've um, you've written a book and you very kindly um, sent it to me to have a read of ahead of yeah. time, which yeah. I've, ne you I've never... I've never. it. Thank you I did endorse it. it. Yes. I've never felt more uh, honoured in my life. Um, people don't send me books, to be honest. I, I usually have to pay for them. <laughs> Um, but it was really kind of you to do that. And and the book uh, is you and uh, the team at Fuller, um, where you're based, and it's called Three Big Questions That Change Every Teenager. And I imagine there is one question that everybody's going to have as soon as they see that title, which is what are the three big questions? So do you want to just do you want to just do a big spoiler now? Yeah, sure. I guess that's the one big question every adult asks about the three big questions that change every teenager. Yeah. So, you know, we at Fuller, we have a school of uh, a mission and theology and a school of psychology. And so we've really combined the expertise of both those schools. We've interviewed in depth 27 teenagers and then surveyed over 2000 teenagers. And here's where we landed. The three big questions that we think teenagers are wrestling with are identity. Who am I? Belonging. Where do I fit? 
and purpose, what difference do I make? So identity, belonging, and purpose. And let me just say that you and I, who are a little bit older than teenagers, Martin, um, we're wrestling with those questions too. I think they're just human questions. But for those of us who are, say, post-30, they're normally at a low simmer. And for those who are under 30, they're at a more rolling boil. Um, and so those are the three questions that we need to pay attention to as adults who are journeying with teenagers. And how do you think teenagers tend to answer those questions, identity, belonging, and purpose? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we talk about them so much on our team that we just call them IBP, identity, belonging, purpose, IBP. Um, so that was part of what we did in our research, actually. And this was one of my favorite things is to really carefully listen to how young people are answering those questions overtly and more implicitly. And for each question, it's a different answer. And when it comes to identity, one of the main ways young people currently answer that question is I am what others expect. I, I am what my parents expect, my teachers expect, my pastors expect, my coach expects, or I'm not enough. We heard this in a myriad of ways. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not popular enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not black enough. I'm not Latino enough uh, for some of our young people of color. So when it comes to identity, those are the two big answers. Uh, when it comes to belonging, they, they felt like they fit when they felt safe. This was just a really important phrase that most every teenager we interviewed used. I'm, I'm looking for a place to feel safe. And then one of the more encouraging slants is in terms of current answers when it comes to purpose. Uh, a lot of young people feel like they matter when they're helping others, when they're serving. And again, most young people we interviewed talked about doing that, wanting to do that, which again is such a wonderful opportunity for us as a church to, you know, to open an even broader door for young people of what it means to serve. So, so I think when you hear those three broad category questions, like identity, belonging, and purpose, like they all feel like things that we might have something to say about as, as the church, as youth ministers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do you have a, a sense of, of how we can start to answer those questions with young people or, yeah. or start, yeah, start to unpack those questions? Yeah. And again, this was a really rich process, Martin, of spending time with my, my brilliant psychology and theology faculty colleagues. And we, land, we did land, and the book offers, a, a really Christ-centered way to respond to each one of those questions. So when it comes to your sense of identity, for young people who feel like they're not enough, we want them to know that I'm enough because of Jesus. Jesus makes me more than enough. And so we actually even simplify that to one word, enough. And I'll just say personally, as somebody who deals with shame and feeling inadequate, um, that's one of the most important messages for me to remind myself of every day. And there's a lot of young people who need that kind of reminder, just like I do. Um, belonging, where do I fit? Where we landed was I belong with God's people. With God's people. That's ultimately the best home of belonging. And so the big word there is with. And then lastly, purpose, what difference can I make? We best answer that question when we realize that we're part of God's great story, that God throughout history is writing a narrative and we are a, a character in that narrative. We have a chapter in that narrative. And so the big word there is story. Mm -hmm. So enough with story. Those we feel like are the most important answers for those three big questions. Wow. That is, I mean, that's really exciting. 
Yeah, and I, I know I just went really super quickly on that. I mean, in the book, we get into all sorts of scripture passages and theological paradigms and thought leaders who expand that. But just in a nutshell, enough with and story. And, you know, as a parent, I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I help my kids live into, embrace, understand those three words and phrases. I wonder whether uh, it, when you talk about that, it all seems so compelling. You know, if I was to if I was to say to a young person or I feel like if I'm to talk to a young person about meeting their needs in terms of their identity, um, yeah. giving them a place where they can be, they can truly be themselves and be safe yeah. uh, and also join in with um, some sort of adventure, some sort of mission in the world. That's yeah. very compelling. So why why isn't that what we're already doing? Like that that feels like the core of what we should be saying to young people. I mean, maybe that. It's not as binary as we haven't been doing any of these things. Yeah, yeah, and, and which is where, you know, we actually started by wondering if we should talk about young people's current, excuse me, toxic answers. And we realized that actually some of their current answers are fairly close to the Jesus-centered answers. So that's where we made it current answers. You know, I, I, I think um, there's a lot of reasons why we aren't uh, effectively communicating that with young people. I think. Uh, I'll speak here in the U.S. I don't know as much as in the U.K., but in the U.S., there's just this generational chasm and a lot of judgmentalism that adults over 30 feel toward young people. There's a lot of finger pointing instead of really understanding, sitting on the curb of a young person's life, listening, saying, tell me more. That's one of my favorite phrases out of our research is, you know, as adults, not answering advice, but just tell me more. And then when we've really empathized and understood, then we can help build that bridge to that more Jesus-centered answer of enough with our story. I think so often we jump right to part two without earning the trust that comes from part one. I love this phrase, we can, we can only move at the speed of trust. And so we need, to, uh, we need to be around and be stable and credible and caring and unconditionally loving long enough to earn that trust that young people are ready to think with us and, and even hear from us about some of those bigger Jesus-centered answers. At the, um, one of our kind of uh, youth ministry conventions here in the UK about two years ago, um, Kenda Creasy-Dean uh, came and spoke uh, and, and talked about the, um, the awful story of the, the Parkland uh, massacre mm. that had happened. Uh, and uh, the young people that rose up out of the sort of ashes of that. Yeah. And actually, they it was a, a group of young people who stood up and said, you know, no more. Like, we're, we're not going to stand for this. And they, in that awful circumstance, had found a real sense of purpose. And they rallied all these uh, young people together behind them. But the, yeah. the sort of the thing that Kendall was kind of asking was, these guys aren't in the church. Yeah. They're, they're doing this. They're finding this sense of purpose and momentum and meaning and, you know, and, and what we would really call kingdom work outside of kind of the context of the kingdom and the Christian. Well, certainly not outside the context of the kingdom, but outside of the context of the church. So I guess the question yeah. is, like, how do we help young people understand that this is really what the church is about? Like that the church does yeah. have a purpose that the, the, the God has a role for them to play in the world. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's got to be far more one-on-one, -on -one, kid by kid, than we're used to operating. You and I were talking earlier how 
uh, during the pandemic, as, as terrible as it is on so many fronts, the death, the destruction, the pain, etc., one of the bright spots is that young people, they're not as busy. They have more time. And so some of the most creative and effective leaders, small group leaders, mentors I'm seeing these days are, are spending time with each kid to under, you know, by Zoom often to understand what are they passionate about, what gifts do they have, and how do they channel that. And sometimes involving parents in that process. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be totally personal. One of our, our teenage daughters, she's basically functioning as a social media intern for our high school ministry right now. Um, and, and I reached out to the high school pastor and said, hey, Krista's got more time these days. She thinks she wants to go into marketing. What do you think about seeing if she can help out, you know, plan the next retreat and promote Sunday, Sundays, et cetera. And he said yes. And so she's now meeting with the small group leader who's in charge of that. And, and it's, it's brought a whole new sense of meaning and significance and contribution to her because it fits who she is um, and her skills. And, and, you know, I, as you might imagine, I'm a fairly proactive parent. So I kind of tapped on the shoulder of our youth pastor. But sometimes it needs to be us as youth leaders saying to kids and to parents, you know, hey, what, what kind of talents does this person have? How do you think they might want to somehow make a mark on the world in this oh so unusual year? Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's not necessarily a come one, come all, here's what we're all going to do together. I mean, sometimes there's beautiful things that can happen out of that. But a lot of times it needs to be more one-on-one, -on -one, kid by kid, conversation by conversation. And what you just described there, which sounds wonderful in the context of your own church, um, is going to require us to embrace a bit of risk. Um, you know, churches aren't com often very comfortable with the idea of letting young people step up and take those positions of responsibility. But of course, you know, in this new world, like, the young people, the digital natives, like they know this world better than we do. Yeah, yeah. It, it does take risk because young people are going to have different answers and sometimes they're going to fail. Like they're going to forget to post on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, whatever. And when they do, you know, I, I just would love for the church to be one of the places where young people know they can fail and still be loved and still have that sense of belonging and identity and purpose. And then the other thing, I mean, G, right, it's risk. And, and also there's often, almost always, a greater investment of time up front. Julia has been meeting with Krista to plan social media together. And honestly, Julia could probably do it on her own faster, but she's investing in Krista. Now, eventually, Julia's gonna be able to step back and Krista's gonna be able to do it. So I think eventually it actually will save Julia time, but you know, hats off to Julia for being willing to spend the time with my daughter in this on-ramp. Well, um, one more question, because I know you, you have a day to get into. Uh, the, um, the sort of three concepts that we talked about, as you said a little while ago, um, you know, they're not new. Like, these have always been issues, and they've had different shapes. So what is it that's unique about this generation of teenagers that means we need to pay particular attention to these three questions? Yeah, you know, one of the, we've, we scoured the available research to try to answer this question, especially with you know, Gen Z. We've heard so much about millennials, which we would define as those born from 1980 to 2000. That's not today's teenagers. Uh, and there's less research on Gen Z. So where we landed is we came up with another three words. We like three, the Trinity and all that. Um, but here are the three words we landed on for today's young people is they are anxious. And we're seeing this with mental health challenges. And I know we're seeing that on, on both sides of the pond, so to speak. They're adaptive. I mean, I think this generation of young people are some of the most creative, resilient young people that can really lead us. And then they're diverse. I just love the diversity 
of, of young people uh, in ethnicity and culture and socioeconomic background and perspective. And so, you know, as we think about identity, belonging and purpose, we need to pay special attention to the anxiety young people are experiencing, to their adaptive potential, and then to the diverse ways that they can help move the church forward. Wonderful. I'm going to try again. Kara. I could say like Martine or something to kind of mess with your name. No, you're so close. You're so close. I'm going to call it good enough. I feel like we've got off on the wrong foot here. No, no, no. I think that's an A, certainly for effort and probably for results also, Martin. So. Well, thanks. I mean, this, the, anyway, you have, what you've done is you've given us a real kind of like insight into the book. There's loads more there. Um, so to, where can people find out a bit more? Because I know it's not out until later in the year, um, but, but where can people find out a bit more? Yeah, good question. It comes out in August, but the best place to find out more about it now is at three, the number three, threebigquestionsbook.com. Three big questions, one word, uh, book.com. So. Uh, Mrs. Powell, thank you so much <laughs> for your time today. That's Dr. Reverend Powell, but I'll, I'll let oh, you goodbye with Mrs. <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> Have a good day. Thank you. Martin, in two years of podcast oh. experience, oh. I, we have put up with a lot. Oh. That was an awful way to come to oh. name her. Why did you call her Mrs. Powell? Oh, Martin. I, oh, Martin. Can I, can I try oh. to justify myself? I don't know if you can. I mean, you can, can try, I try, but I think I think people are shouting at the podcast right now at you. So, so, so the first thing to say is... This conversation got off to the worst possible start because uh, I I thought her name was Kara. Mm -hmm. Now, there is an American name, Kara, but there's also her name, which is slightly different. It's K-A-R-A, her name, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so I think to start with, she thought that I was just being lazy and not realising the difference okay. between the two names. But actually, what, I, what she couldn't understand at first was that, um, was that I can't say that name without it sounding inauthentic or like I'm trying to do an Australian accent. So when I say her name... You just make it so complicated. This is going somewhere. Just remember you've heard a really great youth ministry thinker yes, and we should, be, we should be doing a debrief of that right now. Uh, so, so her name is, is uh, I would say it, if I had to say it like she says it, Kara. But yeah. when I pronounce it Kara... I just feel like I'm asking Kira to throw another shrimp on the barbie. I see, you just, you you see? just end so up. Oh. I, but I can't. It, like in my voice, it just gets it gets stuck. So um, so I ended up like the whole um, interview trying not to use her name without being rude. And then I thought, wouldn't it be funny if to end, I just call her Mrs. Powell. Oh, Forgetting, Hugh of course. Grant. You've done it again. Yeah. <laughs> Forgetting, of course, <laughs> that she is, of course, a, uh, a woman yeah. of letters. Uh, a highly decorated woman of letters, and she's a reverend doctor. And she, of course, pointed that out to me. And I felt horrendous because yes. I, I do care passionately about issues of gender justice <laughs> yes. and of also, like, taking academic people seriously, whatever yes. their gender. Um, yes. But I called her Mrs. Powell, didn't I? And she very rightly corrected you. And she we are did. so grateful, Reverend Dr. Powell, for uh, getting involved in this interview and still coming to a new normal, which is absolutely extraordinary after that. Can I say, I, I sent her a follow-up email apologising and saying, gosh, I'm so sorry for basically everything Did you say gosh? Did you say oh, gosh. gosh. I did. That's very you I probably did. 
and she thought it was hilarious and 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 it was all it's all fine so just so you know there's no beef between me and Kara. Mm. I think, unfortunately, probably women in leadership have had to put up with quite a lot of stuff, so I'm sure. Quite a lot of people like me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Anyway, Martin, you are absolved. We we love you. And uh, that was a great interview. Now, if people want to hear more, uh, I think Renew Normal is the place to be. So, obviously, ticket lines are open. Um, any more info, Martin? How can people kind of get excited about the yeah. lineup and what they're going to yeah, be hearing? Yeah, so... Yeah, Renew Normal is going to be brilliant. We've got loads of people signed up, so it's going to be really bustling. It's on a different platform. Mm, uh, we are not in. using Zoom. Ooh. We're using Hopin, um, which is cool. What can, what, what can we imagine? I mean, I realise well, that everyone else we know is Hopin, but what, no. what would it look like? What, what, it's, what the first time, it's the first time I've used Hopin. So okay. uh, it's like being at an event. So there's like a lobby. There's uh, You can go into like little um, networking coffee chats. You don't have Amazing. to have coffee, but you, you meet someone one-to-one. Um, you can go and visit, like, some stalls and stands. You can go and see different presentations and things. So cool. Uh, you can great. go And you can move between, like, a main session and a, and a seminar session and a workshop session. You can sort of browse around, jump in and out. Um, and, uh, and it's just got way more functionality than, wow. you know, using YouTube or, or Zoom. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. I, on the positive side, I feel like it's us operating at the creative and innovative edge of, of yeah. conferencing and technology. Also, it will take a little bit of getting used to for people. So mm-hmm. um, we're going to put as much signposting and explanation in place as possible. It takes about two or three minutes for the normal person to yeah. figure out. Obviously, for you, a little longer. But yeah, for well, normal I, people. <laughs> I feel I should start a hashtag that's called struggle, struggling with hopping because I just feel I need to just out my community. They're going to be like, yeah. I, I'm loving this, but actually, wh- where's the app like for queuing for the loop? Because that's where the best conversations happen. Can like, I give you, you the good news, Rachel? Yeah, go on then. Go on then. You and I are hosting the event. You yeah. knew that. Yeah, um, in the building. You and I are going to be just sitting and people are just going to point cameras at us and tell us what to do. <laughs> So that, like, as ever, we are Perfect. just the performing monkeys. We, we don't are. have to do any no, technology. The tech will be done by some amazing women and men that just know what they're doing. But I have to say, though, Martin, that the best the best moments in conferences are when you're queuing up for the loo, or when you're 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 in the middle of a row and you want to leave a talk and go somewhere else quickly, and you have to then like step over other people. I'd like yeah. I'd like there to be those features. I'd like to like I'd like to step over now. You know, Leah Pike, Pete Gregg, Martin Saunders. Yeah. You know, Jemima Woodbridge. I'd, li- I'd like to like, excuse me, I'm just coming past you. I'm just coming past you. Is there that feature? Because that's um, when the best stuff happens. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I don't no, that. None of the awkwardness, all of the beauty. And you I can, can't wait. I you can't wait. still go to the toilet. There are toilets of course, in, in, in your, your, in own, your own, own house. Of yeah. course. Um, or, or for us, there'll be, a, there'll be a bathroom just to the right of, uh, Absolutely. of where we're that's we're fine. We're all to, good. It's all good. Um, so we should probably just unpack a little bit yes. the uh, conversation um, with uh, Reverend Doctor Pal, um, and uh, and I think first of all the book comes out in August. It was really kind so and gracious yeah. of her to kind of open it up for us yeah. way ahead of time, um, because obviously you can't get it yet. You should no. get it. I'm sure um, m- many of you will have uh, her previous book, um, uh, Sticky Faith. Uh, on your on your bookshelves because that was a real landmark book in youth and children's ministry. Um, this book is actually, I should say, co-written with a lovely guy called Brad Griffin, um, who is probably like Reverend Doctor Prince King 
archbishop or something but anyway I'm go- I know him as Brad Griffin so I'm going with that um and uh, and so their book's really interesting and it does um it does a few things so it first of all it's it with research it asks what are the primary questions that teenagers are asking in America uh at the moment what are the what are, what are they all boil down to what does everything point to what are the underlying questions and then they ask what are some better answers to these questions mm-hmm. than the ones they're getting? So what are the, what are, what are the better answers that, that Jesus essentially gives to young people? Mm. Um, and I think that's a lovely setup for a, for a research book, uh, a research-backed book. Um, and, uh, and so those three areas, as, as, um, as Cara said in the... Uh, um, still can't do it, can I? In, no, in the um, In the, in the uh, interview. Um, uh, you know, those three, three areas are identity belonging and purpose um i think you know you and i have both written a bit about identity young people's sort of quest for identity and mm. how that sometimes differs um in the genders but um but that question of who am i you know mm. that that's that is the big that is the big question of adolescence isn't it figuring out yeah. who on earth you are as a child you have none of those worries or insecurities <laughs> you're well, just like well as a child they they, they take very um, obvious forms they are I'm going to be a police officer or I'm yeah. this they, 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 they are met neatly with little pockets whereas yeah. I think in adolescence suddenly it's playing out of the water and that's why I think adolescence is one of the trinity's greatest inventions I just think you know God has watched over a billion mm. adolescent developments and totally loves it and is mm. totally there and I think it's often the church that freaks out about puberty and adolescence yeah, yeah I think absolutely. God absolutely loves it <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then there's, of course, after that, there is another question, um, which is the question of uh, belonging. And I think, you know, uh, we spend an awful lot of time in faith communities Mm. thinking about how we answer this question. And, um, uh, you know, maybe historically it's not been given enough priority in how we think about creating church and creating groups. Mm. The need to belong, particularly as a young Mm. person, like to feel like this is going to be a place where I am safe. Um, where I can find other people who unconditionally care about me. Like at our best, absolutely, that's what youth mm. ministry has offered. At our worst, we maybe have put a whole load of barriers in there for them mm. to get over, you know, when their need first and foremost was to find a place where they were belong, uh, mm. where they belonged. I think I, I would agree with you that we need to think, well, I, I think that probably everyone listening to this, and I would say the youth ministry I see in the UK, absolutely is very much focused on, helping young people understand their identity and to know they belong. I think where the challenge happens is what belonging means then if a young person um, is asking certain questions yeah. or maybe has disagrees with a church's teaching. And that and it seems to me that the belonging is the first thing to be sacrificed. Absolutely. And that is, that is almost the... Um, the precipice edge, I think that we as the, as the youth ministry community need to resolve that one. What, yeah. how, how resilient and outrageous and audacious are we on our belonging? It, how Absolutely. much do we believe that um, we belong to God and we belong to each other? What are we prepared? You know, and I think that's, that's such a challenge. I think every youth will say, of course young people belong in our church. Of course they do. But, um, then, but then they don't when they think this or they do this or yes. they go down this path. We suddenly then get... We freak out about their belonging. Yeah, that's great. And um, and then the final uh, point, obviously, is uh, this uh, question of purpose. Question of purpose. And 
you know, you might think there may, I guess there's an argument to say that to some degree, adolescent brains, you know, may not be asking that question until a little bit later on in, in, in their teenage um, or adolescent development. Um, but certainly that question of like, um, what do I, what do I do with what I have? What does, what does mm. being me mean now in practice in the world? I think that is a question that young people are asking. And have we provided great, exciting answers to that question as uh, youth ministers, as churches? I don't know, but it mm. makes me think about um, the research we've just done uh, with, uh, with Tear Fund um around uh, climate justice and how young people feel really passionately mm. about about that issue and haven't found that same passion within a church that claims to you know care yeah. about creation yeah. um so that's i mean it is one example yeah. of where we might be able to draw some lines of purpose yeah. for for young people and i love the idea of just drilling into identity belonging and purpose because i think as I would say I would maybe see purpose as one thing and maybe a 14 year old that I'm mentoring, maybe how they're engaging with purpose is what do people think I'm capable of? So it might yeah. not be the great, what's my life's vision, but what, what can I do? What am I any good at? What, yeah. what gets me stirred up or riled up or mm. angry? Mm. That is the, it's almost the building blocks, isn't it? For a life of, of purpose. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait for this book to come out. I can't wait yeah. to hear our amazing speakers at Renew Normal. As ever, Martin, you have pulled together an incredible lineup of really diverse speakers. Some that we will know, we'll know their names really well, and others, people that we've not heard of before. And that's so important to us at Youthscape is that we are making sure as a community, we are listening to a wide range of voices. Yeah. It's so important that we do this. It's, it's such a good time to be. So I can't, so I can't you. take all the credit this time for sure. Um, so, uh, actually the program is a bit of a, a joint effort between myself, uh, Jemima Woodbridge and, uh, a bit of Chris Curtis as well, Excellent. Um, has, uh, stepped down off his throne awesome. at Youthscape Towers <laughs> to help us. And so Stop we've been putting together Youthscape. quite a, di as you say, quite a diverse set of voices. Yes, one of the, one of the places we're really excited is we're hearing from a few more international um, voices this time. So there'll be some people doing really innovative, interesting um, mm. work in Canada and uh, mainland Europe and, and other places. So um, it's not just us and the Americans this time. So there's a, there's a, bit, there's a bit more diversity in that regard as well. Um, but just to remind you, if you buy a premium ticket for a new normal, which is £20 instead of the usual £10, um, then you, uh, you actually get to keep all the recordings afterwards. So that is definitely worth £20 of your youth budget um, or your own budget if you don't have a youth budget um, because you'll get to have all and there's all, absolutely tons of seminars. So it'll all be recorded and you can um, watch and listen back later on at your leisure. Uh, youthscape.co.uk forward slash renew normal is the address you need. Uh, go and join the hundreds of people. It's not quite thousands, but hundreds of people who've signed up uh, and, uh, and join me and Rach. Um, yes. probably in front of some sort of large oh, desk that's been can't repurposed. wait to um, see you. And we'll be at two metres distance as well, won't we? We'll make us do that. Brilliant. Again. Brilliant. Which well, you liked Saunders, I love that. So Saunders, back in your box, all the rest of you, unleashed into the world and we'll catch up with you soon. Bye.